Welcome back to the 7B Podcast. I'm Emily Bosong, a staff writer for the Bonner County Daily Bee. In honor of Veterans Day, the Bonner County Daily Bee and the Bonner's Fair Herald are creating a special tribute section for our local veterans. For this week's podcast, I got to sit down with Chief Master Sergeant Tom Bonson of Bonner's Ferry as he shared a highlight of his career. So my name is uh, Tom Bonsant, uh, retired Chief Master Sergeant from the Air Force. And one of the most significant things I've got to do during my military career was I got to do an oral history with Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cole, the co-pilot of uh, Doolittle during the Doolittle Raid um, on Tokyo. So I was working for the Joint Personnel Recovery Agency out of Fort Belvoir, Virginia. And one of our jobs was to do oral histories on World War II, Korean War, Vietnam, and any military from Desert Storm, along with civilians who had ever been captured, whoever had to evade, and get their stories. So I got a call from our multimedia office. They said, hey, you need to come down to the studio. We have someone who wants you to interview. And the guy's name is Lieutenant Colonel Cole. And I said, well, who is this person? And they said, he's the co-pilot of the Doolittle Raid. And I was like, oh. So I ran down to the uh, studio, um, went in and uh, told him we are going to conduct an oral history with him. At this time, he was 94 years old, and he stated that he had no problem telling me a story, so we recorded the story, um, videotaped it, and we, what we do for a oral history is just have them tell their story. Once the story's told, we will go back and we'll stair-step down questions that we want to ask, and if you stair-step down according to our psychologists, that gives you a, a better frame of mind for them. Just have them tell it and then go back and drop down stair-step. Uh, all these oral histories that we've done are used for lessons learned, and we send those back to the SEER schools um, for things that we can learn for the uh, SEER schools to uh, provide better training for our, for our personnel. And we use some of these people for vignettes to talk about certain things that you could do. So as we started the interview... Colonel Cole stated that um, he had volunteered for a mission and didn't know what the mission was, but they were looking for volunteers. So he joined up and uh, they flew him down to Eglin Air Force Base and they just did regular flying, um, flying over the water, flying at night. And they were there for three weeks and then as the weeks progressed, they started flying short distances. They had to take off from a cable and try to get in the air within 300 feet at this other cable, running full engines with basically pulling their feet uh, back on the brakes, letting go and taking off. And they had no idea why they're doing this, but it was training for a mission. Um, He says, so after three weeks, they flew up to Alameda, and uh, when they got up there, they did the same practicing again. And uh, while they're doing this, he says, they... uh, they said, we don't know what's going on, but, you know, we're here now. Kept on doing the missions for a couple more days, flying at night, trying to get off the ground within 300 feet. And he says, then they uh, said, okay, you guys can all have a pass. So they had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and they all decided to go to town. And they're in uh, San Francisco Barber, um, looking, sitting in the Ritz Carlton up above, having a few drinks, enjoying themselves. And someone grabbed him and pulled him over the side and goes, look, in the USS Hornet, aircraft carrier was sitting out in the bay and they could see their planes on a train. They were flying B-25 Mitchell bombers 
and those are medium bombers, and they were watching them pick their planes up and putting them on top of the aircraft carrier. And at this point, they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing. Realize December 7th, 1941, was a mere five months ago. It is now April time frame of 1942. So less than six months, and they're preparing for something they have no idea about what's to go on. They arrive back at their post, and they are told, get on board. They get on board with a bunch of other mechanics and maintenance officers. They get on the Hornet, and they leave out in the morning, and they basically go out for two days into the ocean with all radio silence. When they get out there, they're taken down below deck. At this point, they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing, and they... uh, show them the map. It's 20 by 20, it's 3D dimensional, made, he believes it's made by MGM Studios, all their prop people, and it has the whole harbor, Tokyo, the city, everything that's supposed to happen when they come, when they come in there. This is incredible, the design. And they finally find out what their mission is, that they're going to attack Tokyo. And so there's 20 crews on board, I'm sorry, there's 80 people on board with 16 airplanes, and, uh, they're being escorted by another by the Enterprise, and they're being escorted by other ships. Well, as they get out north of Hawaii and getting closer to Japan, they run into a patrol boat, Japanese patrol boat, and the Japanese patrol boat gets a message out. And they're not sure who got the message, but they know a message has been sent. So what they immediately do is turn the aircraft carrier into the wind and prepare to take off. The first one they're going to take off, it's decided, is Doolittle. Doolittle's playing just to the front um, with Colonel, with uh, Lieutenant Cole at the time. And there are approximately 170 nautical miles farther out than they intended to be for the trip. So as Doolittle plane goes down the carrier, they're trying to time it because of the rolling waves. So as the flagman lets them know, they're waiting for the front of the ship the carrier to pitch up so they can actually go down the deck and at the peak of the wave, peak of the deck being in the air, take off because of the weight of the fuel and the bombs that they have on board. So Doolittle gets the shortest run of any plane for this. And the joke that Colonel Cole said, he says the guys that designed the plane did not design it for bombers to be flying off the deck. And the guys that built the planes did not design it to have the bombers try to take off from a deck of 300 feet. So it's approximately, actually about 400 feet is what he stated. And I think if you look it up, it's like 467 feet. But they didn't have the full length for the first plane. The first plane had about half the length. And as the planes took off, he said it got easier and easier for them. As they took off the deck, they were literally 20 feet, maybe 15 feet above the ocean. And as they took off, they grouped up and went separate. Two teams, four teams, whatever direction they're going for their intended targets. And something that they talk about is they're worried about the bad guys waiting for them. As they come into Tokyo, they realize there's nobody there. And as he looks and they're crossing some of the various little islands and little beaches, people are waving at them. And they said, these people have no idea who we are or what's about to come. So as they fly in, they drop their bombs. They had a couple 500-pound bombs, he said, an incendiary device uh, bomb. And he looked out to his right, he could see smoke plumes coming up from the other planes. And so they ended up hitting uh, Tokyo in the middle of the day. That was not the plan. The plan was to come in later, later towards dusk. So as they took off from there, 
they all realized they may not have enough fuel to make it to China. Um, he says, as they got darker and darker, Doolittle said, take everything in the plane that we can possibly throw out and throw it out the window. So they threw everything out but the kitchen sink. And he says, and now it's starting to get a lot more darker, but they looked down. They had a, head, a tailwind for the last hour. And as they looked down, they could see white lines below them. And when they saw the white lines, they finally figured out that that was waves breaking on land someplace. And so, as the plane keeps on going, and now they're over land, uh, Doolittle talks to everybody and goes, Hey, if we can make it, we're going to try to make it to land. If not, we're going to land in the water. Whoever shows up, we're going to kill them and take over the ship. And everybody just, matter-of-factly, nod their heads and goes, Okay. So, flying a bit farther, they realize that they are probably over land, farther inland, and Doolittle tells everybody to get out of the plane. So everybody bails out, and the plane is sputtering as uh, Lieutenant Colonel Cole leaves the plane, and Doolittle's still in the plane. So he's not sure if he's made it out or not. Um, as he comes down to the ground, he lands in a tree, but he's not sure how high the tree is, where the tree is at, or what's going on, and he's thoroughly exhausted. Um, this is now has been a this is at the 13th hour of the mission. So for 13 hours they've been doing this mission, along with the time you get up in the morning. So it's running on a 24-hour day. And I'd ask Colonel Cole, I said, what did you get for survival equipment? He said, well, I had a knife, a compass, and a flashlight, and my parachute. And he stops and goes, wait a second. I bought the map. I bought the, I bought, not the map. I bought the compass, the knife, and I bought the flashlight. The only thing the government gave me was the parachute. I said, okay. And at that point, he also reminded me, he goes, oh, by the way, um, he says, uh, he says we got an intel brief. And I said, what did you get for an intel brief? He says, well, we got told if we're in China, um, you'll know you're in China because all the people will be bowing and smiling. If you're in Japan, they're going to chase you, shoot you, and kill you and with pitchforks or whatever else they've got. So as he's exhausted sleeping in the chute, he wakes up in the morning, and he realizes on the side of a hill in the trees... And down below him, about 20 feet down, is a big open field. And he looks in the field, there's four or five people looking at him, pointing, and they're smiling and bowing. And he says, well, I must be in China. So he releases himself from his parachute, comes on down. They pet him on the back and have him follow them. And they take him to a barn. When he goes in the barn, there's actually other people from his crew, his five-man crew, in there. Well, everybody's in there now but Doolittle. All of a sudden, boom, here comes Doolittle. And so they're not at the point where they were, where they were supposed to meet. They're also surrounded with a certain point with their planes and attempt to escape into India. So on the way there, they're going down the back roads because they were in Japanese-held territory. As they're going down the back roads in this blue bus, he thinks they killed over 100 chickens and probably 30 to 50 pigs, bouncing them off the bus as the bus is going as fast as it possibly can. When they get them to the rendezvous point, they're not sure if everybody's made it, not made it. There's some people missing. They are flown. His crew and everybody's flown back over to uh, India. And a bunch of them, about 40 of them, stay there to do the India-Burma hump to bring materials and supplies back into the uh, theater to, into China. Doolittle tells Lieutenant Colonel Cole later on, he says, you know, I thought the mission was a failure. They had lost all 16 aircraft. All 16 aircraft had crashed. One had actually landed in, in Russia. And, but it was such a large uplifting for the U.S. people that we were able to attack them six months later on their homeland. And the Japanese, it was a complete shock that the Americans were able to do that um, in such a short period of time. And uh, so it was a morale boost more than it was damage. They didn't create, cause it a lot of damage, but let them know that we could hit them.
Um, some things about Lieutenant Colonel Cole, he goes on to serve and retires as Lieutenant Colonel. And what the 80 guys did, unfortunately, passed away, were killed by the Japanese, some were interned, some drowned, a couple drowned, uh, trying to get to shore. But what they ended up doing is they had a bottle of whiskey and a glass for, a shot glass for every man. And they would meet annually to get together. And if as people passed away, they'd turn the glasses upside down. In the end, it was Lieutenant Colonel Cole and one of the enlisted air crew. Um, the final year that they couldn't make it, they were just too up in age. The air crew member passed away. Lieutenant Colonel Cole was the final man out of all of them. Uh, when he was 96 years old, he was taken, and actually, I'm sorry, in 2016, he was taken to the Air Force, air Force Convention and the new B-21 bomber, which will come out in uh, 2024, um, was officially named. And the name of that aircraft is going to be called the Raider, uh, in memory of all those men. And at 103 years old, Lieutenant Colonel Cole passed away and is now buried in uh, Arlington Cemetery. So what we had done is we have evasion aids that we built and designed and we showed them an evasion chart, which is made out of Tyvek, which could be used as a raincoat to collect water. has all different plants on it, how to navigate in that environment. And we gave him one of those and also had him sign one for us. And he wrote, he's able to pinpoint right in the map where he landed with that map. Um, so we showed him some of the other evasion aids, skills, things that we have um, that are available now compared to when he was a young aviator flying. The map is currently at our headquarters in our archives uh, section with his signature on there, and uh, along with other things from the Vietnam War, Korean War, and also from World War II. Doolittle was flown back to the United States after all this, and again, he thought he was going to get court-martialed for destroying 16 valuable planes. But that's not what happened. It increased the, the Americans' morale and affected the Japanese, realizing that they could be hit by the Americans. It's just a short time after the start of the war. He was presented the Medal of Honor by FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and Billy Mitchell was there, and General Marshall was there, and uh, he was awarded the medal and was given promotion from Lieutenant Colonel to Brigadier General, uh, skipped the Colonel rank, and ended up retiring as a three-star general um, during, the, during the war. Every other man was given a Distinguished Flying Cross, and uh, some were given Purple Hearts for their heroism. And Mitchell, uh, Little wanted them all to be promoted, um, but that didn't happen. But they did all get the Distinguished Flying Cross for their uh, gallant efforts. Here at the Bonner County Daily Bee and the Bonner's Ferry Herald, we would like to say thank you to all the brave men and women that have served our country. Those that made it home safe and those that did not, we thank you for your service. Thank you for listening to the 7B Podcast. I'm Emily Bosong, and I'll see you next time.